0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast, dedicated to raising awareness, sharing IBD stories, and offering support for those with Crohn's and colitis. Together, we can share knowledge, experiences, and help show the world the many faces of IBD. Well, hi everyone. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's warrior since 2006 and lifelong fitness fanatic. My guest today is Veronica Blancado, who you'll recognize as at on Instagram. She's here to share her journey with Crohn's from diagnosis to extraintestinal manifestations and how she's dealing with the constant challenges of life with IBD. Thank you so much for joining me today, Veronica, and welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to
0: be here. I am excited to have you here. So Crohn's has certainly given you a number of challenges, and not all of them have been GI related, but they're all a result of your Crohn's. So before we get into your daily life now and how you're managing IBD and dealing with some of these things, why don't you first start by sharing your Crohn's story and talk about the lead up to your first flare and your diagnosis?
1: Sure. So. I am 30 years old now and I've had crohns officially since I've been 15 but I don't remember a time that I was not sick I think I started having stomach problems probably around eight or nine years old and I remember knowing that I had stomach aches a lot and I as as the way you could when you're eight or nine and I remember feeling weird but I like never told anyone about it. I think I sort of thought at a young age, maybe everybody feels this way or, maybe everybody runs to the bathroom after they eat something. And I didn't tell my parents I was feeling sick probably till I was like 11 or 12. And by then I think a lot of, you know, my disease had progressed. So I was in, you know, late middle school, getting ready to go into high school. And I started having just a lot of bouts of this terrible burning pain that would make me double over. And I would sometimes like lose my vision and I was dizzy and I couldn't stand up. And I was spending so much time in the nurse's office that I was potentially not gonna move on to the next grade. Like my attendance was becoming such a problem and everyone thought I was sort of just making up these stomach aches to get out of class. And it was most definitely not the case. Um, So I was battling these things on and off. My mom took me to the pediatrician and they said they thought I had an ulcer. And I was about 12 or 13 when this happened. And I remember my parents thought it was so weird that like a 12-year-old would casually get diagnosed with an ulcer but not Mm -hmm. sent to a specialist. And my pediatrician didn't send me to a specialist. He gave me Nexium and different antacids and told me to not lie down after I ate and drink more milk. And it didn't really do anything. So I kind of battled this on and off until I got into high school. And my first big flare was really in high school. I was taking a final examination in my French class. So it's the summer, it's hot, I'm stressed. And I had just eaten lunch and I'm ready to take this exam and it's timed. So if anybody had to use the restroom, you basically had to stop this timer and stop the whole class from taking this exam. So I was petrified to raise my hand and ask to go to the restroom. And when I finally did, my teacher told me no, because it was timed. So I ended up throwing up all over my final exam in front of everybody in my class, because I was just so, so sick. And I was mortified. I called my mom and My mom marched me into my pediatrician's office, no appointment, and uh, sort of just demanded them to see me. And two months later, I ended up seeing my pediatric gastroenterologist, I did an endoscopy, an upper barium, a bunch of different stool tests, a colonoscopy, and it was very quick to find out that I had Crohn's disease, and this was in 2006. So since 2006, it's been official, but I think it's probably been going on for much of my life, if not all of my life, Mm -hmm. and it was a pretty rough battle until 2015 when I finally went into remission.
0: Wow. So was it confusing as a child? Because 8 and 9 is so young that, I mean, I just remember being a child and you are kind of embarrassed about everything. You don't necessarily talk about a lot of things. So I would imagine it would have been a very confusing time to start having these symptoms and to deal with some of these things that you maybe weren't talking about.
1: Yeah, it was so confusing. I think I was trying to understand that I was, as I was really young, I was trying to understand that not everybody felt this way and that I was sick and this was different. So I was sort of coming to terms with the fact that what I was feeling wasn't normal, but I didn't even really know what normal felt like. And as I got older in high school, it was even more challenging because For me, my Crohn's disease was a lot of running to the bathroom right after I ate something. And it looked like bulimia on the outside um, because I was so thin. I was malnourished. It was happening right after I ate something. But for me, I was sort of more embarrassed that it was the opposite. So I remember being like, which rumor do I want to take? Do I take the bulimia or do I tell people? (laughs) all that. I'm just kind of running to the bathroom uncontrollably all the time with Crohn's disease. I don't think there was like 15 or 16 year old me had a good option either way. So uh, but yeah, yeah, bad choices. yeah, it was definitely a confusing time. I think being sick has been such a part of my identity that from so young that it's kind of made me the adult that I am today.
0: So it sounds like you really haven't been in remission that long because you talk about being sick your whole life and how it's shaped you. But it sounds like remission, if you finally got there in 2015, that's only a few years. So tell me a little bit about that road from your diagnosis, the official high school diagnosis up until 2015 and how you finally got to where you're at now.
1: Yeah. So once I found out I had Crohn's, it was uh, such a bumpy road. I feel like I've had every textbook complication that you could possibly have seems to come up. Um, I tried medicine after medicine and none of them really stuck. And then I wasn't super great at taking care of myself and remembering to take my medicines because I just remember being this angsty teenager that didn't really want to be sick. And I didn't really want to take all these medicines and like go to all these doctors. So I didn't really take it seriously. I think my parents had no clue what to do with this sick teenager all of a sudden. Uh, So I, you know, was really underweight and really malnourished and had some, like, growth and development problems, and eventually I, you know, got so sick that I had a full bowel obstruction, and I was hospitalized, and I had that come back three months later, and then I was hospitalized, and then that came back a third time, and finally uh, they recommended me for surgery because nothing was really getting rid of these bowel obstructions that kept happening, and at this point in time, I'm on Remicade, so I've worked my way up to infusion medication, I'm taking steroids, I'm on and off of prednisone, I'm taking Pentassa, I'm doing, I'm vitamin deficient, I'm iron deficient, so I'm I've, I'm on like 20 30 pills a day, taking these infusions, I feel like uh, I'm a cancer patient or something, but I'm not. <laughs> Uh, so finally I have this surgery in 2011, they take out about two feet of my intestines and I went in and they were like, you might need a bag. You might not, we might be able to do it laparoscopically. We might not, you know, we'll see what happens when you wake up. I am 22 when this is happening and I've been in and out of the hospital with just the swine flu, pneumonia, bowel obstructions, appendicitis, my spleen is enlarged, like every, every like weird complication that you could think of just kept seeming to happen. So I got this surgery and I was expecting like, I'm going to be all better now. And I wasn't the surgery like really was, you know, it was necessary. And I think it helped put me into remission today, but I immediately had complications with producing too much bile and like not having as long of an intestine as I used to. And I had a lot of like scarring and bleeding and trouble healing from the wound. And uh, thankfully I didn't need a permanent ostomy bag. They were able to do the surgery laparoscopically, which was like a phenomenal feat of my doctor at that time. And my appendix was attached to the part that they removed. That was like a you know, combo deal. The appendix also came out with it, so um, so I never have to worry about appendicitis, so that was just like a grab bag. So Gotta look on the bright side, right? <laughs> a little bit of a bright side, but in the surgery, they took out um, one of my valves that called the ileocecal valve that does a lot of vitamin B12 absorption, so I immediately became B12 deficient, and it took them a few months to realize that. And I got a lot of side effects from the B12 deficiency and I had to be medicated because I was overproducing the bile. And um, I kind of got better, but I never like really went into remission after the surgery. And I kept trying Remicade. Eventually, I built up too many antibodies and had to switch. And I was doing 6-MP and combinations of antibiotics and steroids and anti-inflammatory medicines until finally in 2000. Uh, 15, I got a huge abscess the size of a baseball right at the site of my surgery, and they rushed me into the hospital, and they were, I was, thought it was going to have to get cut out, and I was like, here we go again. Uh, thankfully, the abscess sort of healed with antibiotics and a drain. I didn't need surgery, but the amount of antibiotics that I was on gave me pancreatitis as I was healing from my abscess. So now I'm in the hospital with pancreatitis. I'm, you can't eat anything. You're on tons of antibiotics, tons of painkillers. So I must have lost 20 pounds in the two weeks I was in the hospital for both of these things. Oh, wow. So after the pancreatitis, it was like my last, I was like so exhausted from dealing with Crohn's that I Googled, like, best Crohn's doctor in New York, which is where I was living at the time. And I found Dr. Marion, who saved my life. He is the best thing that ever happened to me. And he put me on Humira the second that he saw me in a really high dose. I was taking two pens every week for about a year. and. For some reason, my Crohn's just never came back since I started taking Humira in 2015. So this August will be four years on Humira and four years of like basically a Crohn's disease symptom-free life. And I don't have to take any more pills. I take Humira and some vitamins to help with my deficiencies. And I use fitness and diet to accompany a lot of that, but it's been the most exciting, like three and a half years I could have ever thought about. It's like I was just born and started living again.
0: What are some of the things? Was there anything that you started doing once you started feeling well? Was it kind of like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to go do this, this, and this? Did you have a bucket list of things you started checking off once you felt well?
1: Yeah, I finally started eating normally, I was able to like experience all these foods that I could just never eat before my like white bread and pasta and soup diet, basically like the only foods that never really bothered me with Crohn's. I tried all these restaurants, I had sushi, I had Thai food, I was eating spicy food, I just like ate my way through the food scene in New York. When I wasn't malnourished, I finally like resumed a normal body weight. So I gained like 25 pounds, but I'm still pretty thin for my height. So I went through like buying all new clothes and like realizing what it was like to wake up and like not be totally exhausted and want to hang out with my friends. Uh, the biggest thing that remission gave me, though, was I was finally able to go to college. And I'm actually graduating uh, this coming Thursday the May twenty third. Oh, that's so, awesome! Con-
0: congratulations! Thank
1: you. So it's super exciting. I've been able to attend classes because I'm not sick. So that was probably the biggest thing. Is it just gave me like a, a normal job and being able to go back to school and I was able to relocate to California uh, with my husband and get married. So it was, it was incredible. Wow. So
0: things are finally starting to click, rock and roll a little bit, but
1: finally, but you
0: still actually deal, you still deal with a little bit of extra intestinal manifestations. Is that correct? Because I think from your, some of your posts, you talk about osteochondromas and arthritis, do you still suffer with a little bit of those type of things?
1: I do. Crohn's disease has always reminded me that I'm never too far away. It has a very clingy relationship, I think. I've always sort of dealt with extra intestinal manifestations like throughout the lifetime of my Crohn's. The Humira has definitely weakened my immune system to a pretty low point. If anybody has a cold, it is, I get it. If anybody, um, you know, sneezes near me, it is part of my life. I take much longer to heal cuts and, uh, just like fatigued is like a normal state of being for me. Are you still
0: taking the two pens a week?
1: I'm down to one pen a week now, thankfully. Okay. Um, I stay on it that often because my arthritis is pretty significant. It's definitely gotten worse since I've been in remission. Uh, So I have to do cold and hot compresses on my knees and a lot of stretches and yoga and like some at-home physical therapy remedies in addition to a lot of Humira to try and keep my arthritis under control so that I don't completely have to walk with a cane in a couple of years, which I would rather not do. So I see a rheumatologist to manage that. But unfortunately, that's the only thing that's gotten worse throughout remission is my joint problems have never really found relief.
0: When did you start having joint problems? Did you have those when you were in high school? Did you notice some of those things or was the Crohn's just so overwhelming front and center that some of the other things maybe were not as noticeable?
1: I always had joint problems. I think I've always noticed that my knees would get more tired or would like kind of have pain in them after a day of walking, but I think my like focus on other symptoms kind of didn't signal me that this was something I needed to be paying attention to. Um as I've started like becoming more into physical fitness and exercising and making that a part of my lifestyle now that I'm in remission, definitely using those muscles and joints more than when I was sort of just laying down a lot. And I've noticed like, oh, wow, there's really an impact on my joints here, which led me to start seeing a rheumatologist. And I found out that I have arthritis in both my knees and and in a little bit in my hips, which I find is pretty common for people with Crohn's, unfortunately, to also have some joint issues or arthritis. Uh, thankfully, Humira treats both, but I haven't found Humira to be super successful in treating the arthritis just yet.
0: So you talked about fitness a little bit as part of this road to recovery and, and bringing in some of that, but you also mentioned fatigue. How, does, how do you balance the two? Do you still get fatigued being still on the Humira, even though you've gone down a little bit in the dose, but you're still taking it, your immune system is still compromised. How do you you balance the fatigue and working out and making that come together?
1: It's very hard. I often refer to myself as a baked potato because sometimes at the end of the day, (laughs) I really do just feel like a baked potato that is kind of like just wrinkled and laying in tinfoil. But uh, I've been on Humira for so long that I, I sort of know it inside and out. And I kind of know the person that it makes me on injection night and like the day after injection versus what it feels like the week of. And I'm kind of getting out of that fatigue state. Uh, the fatigue is tough to manage. Coffee is a big part of my morning. And it's definitely not, not an option for me. But what I've found is... Um, that using fitness at certain times of the day. So I have to be really a morning or afternoon fitness person because by the nighttime, I'm just way too drained to even physically uh, be working out. So it's a lot of people, it's hard to go to the gym. We would all rather just be thin and fit and sitting on the couch, but there's no way to do that yet. So for me, it's not only the motivation, but it's like physically the energy needed to do a big workout and like actually do it so that I wouldn't hurt myself is hard to find. So I do it in the morning and in the afternoon and I stick to a lower impact kind of workout. So like yoga, simple cardio on a machine, I'm not trying to take on a mountain or do lots of these crazy hit classes that I just definitely don't have the stamina for. And I think what's been important is just really listening to my body and kind of accepting that while I'm in remission and feeling healthy and feeling fit that I'm not like a lot of other people and that's okay. And I need to really listen to my bodily cues and take fatigue sort of seriously so that I don't overdo it. And that's been a healthy balance, sort of knowing my limits and also listening to my limits has kind of helped me be active, but also be the potato that I am inside.
0: (laughs) Best of both worlds. (laughs) Yeah, that's such a great, such a great way to manage it. And just being able to keep moving, I know has so many health benefits. So the fact that you're able to, to recognize that, all right, I can do it in the morning or the afternoon. And it doesn't have to be this intense, crazy thing, but just moving so that you help your body to stay strong, help yourself, you know, be able to fight Crohn's better. I think that's it's a great advice and way to way to balance it.
1: Yeah, I think so too.
0: So before we jump into cuz I do want to talk more about food and and diet, food and fitness, but before we do that, in some of your posts you've mentioned how important it is to have such a a strong supportive partner and you mentioned earlier you just got married, so congratulations again on that. Thank you. <laughs> but Tell me more about the supportive role that your husband has played and what you look for kind of from him as far as support and getting through some of the tougher days.
1: My husband is just the best. I feel like I would not be as successful in my remission without a partner like him. Uh, But I was always a very solo Crohn's warrior prior to you know my relationship with him and really meeting him I didn't want help I didn't want to feel like I needed help I wanted to do everything by myself and I tried to keep my Crohn's really under wraps like my sort of public display of Crohn's on Instagram is really only something I've done in the last year or so like I was very private and you know didn't want to seem any different from anyone else with my Crohn's and I realized that having help can make it so much easier. So when I met my husband, you know, uh, we were first dating, I was like, when do I tell him that, you know, I have Crohn's and I have to put these needles in my legs like every every seven days or so? Like, when do you introduce that into the conversation? So I had told him pretty early on, because it was gonna be a big part of anybody who was with me and our lives together. And my husband was just so like interested to learn about it and supportive and never judged what I could or couldn't do or when I was feeling sick or when I wasn't feeling sick. It was never, you know, oh, it's just a stomach ache or, oh, it can't be that bad. He always really validated me. And that was something that I never really had in high school and you don't get a lot from family that doesn't really understand. And my husband's like the picture of perfect health and has really no ailments wrong with him except an occasional headache. So to have somebody that's never really been through it, just not judge you and totally validate you has been a huge, huge part of me being successful. And eventually uh, he started giving me my injections. So he is my at-home nurse. He does my Humira nights and he uh, is a pro at giving me Humira injections, vitamin B12 injections. He is my colonoscopy transport. He's been side <laughs> by side as I've been drinking the disgusting prep that is never improved. No. And he's excited about every doctor's appointment. What did they say? How are you doing? And he's also like a positive force. It's pretty easy even to be in remission to still be doubtful and still be worried is my Crohn's going to come back? Like was this blood test bad? Like is this twinge of stomach pain like something more than just the taco that I ate? And he's always just looking at the bright side and like reminding me of where I've come from and reminding me of how much better I am than than what I was and that you know, anything that happens, like I don't have to do it by myself. And it just having that positive outlook and support almost makes you like look at your disease differently. And it makes me look at myself differently as somebody with Crohn's and somebody with a, you know, invisible illness and kind of a chronic, incurable illness. It's changed my outlook on like my own Crohn's and other people with Crohn's and just like having a disease in general. And, I was never that sappy person. I can't believe that my husband has done this to me, but he has, he has completely changed my outlook. And I think it's just so cool to feel like as close as he can get to understanding what it's like, I think he's gotten to, because he's just been so open and willing. And if anybody can have a partner like that or already does have a partner like that, I think it's as important as your medication like he's up there with my gastroenterologist and my Humira prescription like he's on that same <laughs> level of how important it is for me to stay in remission is like having him as a part of that whole component of treatment. That is
0: so amazing and I think you touched on just two really key important things that that I don't even think people may not even realize them until hearing you say them, because just that validation piece of what you were talking about in the beginning, it, you know, that's something that I struggled with for years when, especially if you're someone that takes a long time to get a diagnosis, (laughs) then it's, you know, you go for a long time complaining, but at some point you start to feel like people just don't believe you anymore. And it's a very frustrating thing. So just have someone validate you that, you know what, you don't feel well, or this isn't, you know. It goes a long way. And then just as you were saying, that positive force, because every day when I'm having a good day, I still worry in the back of my head that what if this all goes downhill tomorrow? So having that positive force is so important to remind you that it's a good day and embrace it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think so, especially with illnesses like Crohn's that are kind of those invisible illnesses that you can't really see from the outside. And that if you didn't tell somebody about, they probably wouldn't know about you. I think that's validation makes that so much more like rich when you have that from somebody when you don't look sick. And that's one of my regular Instagram hashtags is you don't look sick because I get that a lot. And I think a lot of other people with Crohn's get that too. And for me, that's why that validation piece has been so crucial. It's something that I really never had and I think a lot of people don't have with Crohn's.
0: Mm-hmm. I'll even, I'll go to my primary care doctor, obviously my gastroenterologist knows what's going on, but I'll go to my primary care doctor and she'll run labs and I think she sees so many people she forgets, you know, my backstory, and then she'll be like, but sh- this is so weird, you don't even look sick, <laughs> It's I wow. like, oh. <laughs> well,
1: you know. I know, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, if you only knew. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. So let's talk about food. It's one of my favorite topics. I love I love food. I don't have a wide variety of diet, but I absolutely love food. So tell me what you mentioned you kinda of went on this eating around the world, so to speak, everything you could once you once you got into remission, but what were some of the foods other than the bread and soup diet you mentioned, what were some of the foods that you that helped you when you're sick? And then are there certain things that you stayed away from then? Is there anything you still have to stay away from now?
1: Yeah. So I definitely did better on soft foods and especially cause I was prone to bowel obstructions and stricturing and narrowing and like intestinal inflammation and scarring. So I had to stay away from anything that was tough to digest. So growing up with Crohn's, I couldn't have a lot of vegetables, seeds, skins, you know, fruits and a lot of like tough to digest meats. Um, I just really couldn't have them. And I was also really afraid of just eating anything that was kind of going to make me feel sick because I was already feeling so sick. So I avoided a lot of fast food or like things like sushi or things that weren't cooked very well or that I worried would give me food poisoning. I tried to avoid doing that too. So. Growing up I ate a lot of sandwiches, a lot of soups, a lot of pasta, and I would have like skinless apples, a lot of white foods, a lot of soft white mm-hmm. foods was my diet growing up. And when I sort of went into remission I like didn't really know what to do with myself. I noticed that my diet was not really nutritious and I had spent so much of my life being malnourished kind of because of that cuz I wasn't able to eat a lot of these vegetables and seeds and fruits. And I wanted to change that. And I didn't really know how to introduce these foods into my diet. So living in New York, like the food capital of like one of the food capitals of the world, I think I just ate like everything. I just tried everything. A lot of them made me feel sick. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I sort of started seeing a nutritionist and went through like, how should I do this? How do I introduce these foods back into my diet? And she sort of told me to try little pieces of everything. And if it makes you sick, don't eat it. And if it doesn't make you sick, great. Let's see if it works out. So that's kind of what I did. I just started trying things in smaller doses after I got my initial excitement out of the way. And I was able to incorporate a lot back into my diet. I do still avoid seeds and skins because I know I'm prone to obstruction. And maybe it's just me being paranoid, but I don't ever want to feel that again. So I peel my vegetables and fruits. I don't eat too many like nuts or seeds or like berries with seeds. And I've completely eliminated just fast food and soda. It was never something that agreed with me. And maybe it would agree with me now. But I just feel like I'm so focused on fueling my body with food at this point and making up for the nutrition I never had that I try to make more nutritious choices and avoid fast food and things that are, you know, not bad foods for you. Cause I hate to say bad food, but just less <laughs> nutritious foods. So, but other than that, I don't really eliminate anything. You know, I have ice cream from time to time, sushi from time to time, a glass of nice red wine from time to time. But drinking is something that I could never really do successfully. So I'm sort of a glass once in a while type of person. And I think that will be it for the rest of my life just due to Crohn's and also because pancreatitis is kind of always with you. So you're never really free from chronic pancreatitis.
0: What kind of effects does the pancreatitis cause for you? What kind of hurdles does that leave in its wake?
1: Yeah. So when I had pancreatitis, my pancreas like swelled to probably like two times its size. So it was extremely painful. And it just, it just feels like this really bad stomach ache, like in between your rib bones where like your chest starts to meet your abdomen. And it's just, it was the worst pain ever. Like it put my Crohn's disease surgery and like foot surgery pain to shame. This is the worst Mm. pain, pancreatitis. Um, it ne- like once your pancreas is like injured like that, you know, it heals, but it never really heals back to what it was before. It's always like a little scarred. So I definitely can't drink that much. Like after pancreatitis, I couldn't drink any alcohol at all for a full year under any circumstances to allow it to fully heal. And even when I reintroduced it, I definitely, you know, will if I eat too much fatty foods, or like have too much to drink, or, you know, combine like a fatty food and also a drink, I'll definitely start to get twinges of my pancreas being like, hey, you remember when Mm -hmm. we like weren't doing so great? Let's not do that again. So I have to think about it, because I will start to get that pain of inflammation coming back. And since my pancreas has been so inflamed before, it's really easy to trigger it to do that again. Um, Because I have the chronic pancreatitis. So it means it essentially can kind of always come back when it feels like it. So it's just like Crohn's disease, it'll just hide (laughs) for a little while and then be like, surprise, I'm back. Mm -hmm. So uh, they're, they're related in that way. So I try to be really productive about it. And staying really hydrated can help. And, you know, my regular blood tests are kind of always testing for the levels associated with your pancreas, but it's definitely made eating a little less fun because all of the most delicious foods are the highest in fat and your pancreas Mm -hmm. doesn't really like that.
0: (laughs) Is It's the liver that makes the bile or does the pancreas help make the bile to help digest the fat? What kind of role do you know, the mechanism, the role that it plays?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure the pancreas, I'm not like too certain, but I'm pretty sure the pancreas either makes or has something to do with processing the bile and like absorbing Mm it. Um, So when it's like inflamed and like overloaded, it doesn't do that. So not only is your pancreas like a crucial organ that you need to live, then it throws your whole digestion off kilter. So if you're making too much bile, which is what was happening to me after my surgery, everything is just moving through you like much faster than it should. And if you make too little bile, you're sort of at risk of like things not moving through your intestines fast enough. So it could cause a problem either way. And it's like needs to be very carefully regulated. So it took me a lot of medication to get that regulated after surgery. And then when I had pancreatitis, I had to go through that whole regulation process again, which was it's a challenging balance to find the right dose of medicine combined with the right balance of food mm-hmm. that's not bad for you.
0: As if Crohn's wasn't enough, you had to throw that in there
1: too. <laughs> it's all part of my little gift bag. That's what I call it.
0: <laughs> Just one thing after another. So so since since Crohn's is chronic and pancreatitis too, are there certain things, you've been in remission for a while now, but if you have had any flares recently or just thinking in the past when you used to have flares more often, were there certain tips or tricks or things that you would do that once a flare was coming up, you knew that if you did X, Y, Z, it would help? Um, did you have any, anything like that reflecting back on, on your years with Crohn's?
1: Yeah. So I always responded well to heat. So I had a hot water bottle, like one of those sort of thick rubbery, like looks like a sack that you fill with hot water. Mm -hmm. Um, That used to work really well for me for some reason. And I would just put it on like as hot as my skin could really take it. And that would help with just a lot of like cramping or stomach contractions or Just I had a lot of like bloating because I was always obstructed. So I was always having the opposite problem when I was really sick of like feeling like my stomach was going to explode because nothing could pass through it. So Mm -hmm. he helped me a lot. Um, Ginger ale also surprisingly helped me a lot. Maybe that was all in my head just because I believed that ginger ale was going to make my stomach ache go away. I know there's a lot of mind over matter with Crohn's disease Mm -hmm. and it's very tied to stress and anxiety for me. But that always did help me too. And I would find that when I was feeling extremely bloated or like, oh my gosh, am I obstructing? Like is something not passing through? I would go on my colonoscopy diets, believe it or not. I would go on my clear liquid diet and just have like chicken broth and Jello and iced tea and like juices for like a day. And that would usually help me probably because it was hydrating me more than I was. But I was just really trying to get things to like move through me. So I didn't need another surgery. So mm-hmm. that helped me a lot. Um, I will sometimes I haven't done one in a while, but I'll sometimes do like a clear liquid day to just kind of give myself a cleanse because I whenever I'm done with a colonoscopy, I'm always like, wow, there's nothing left inside me. I feel so light. But I know I hate it's kind of a good feeling, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's bittersweet. I'm like, oh, yeah. I really hate this. But when it's over, I'm like, wow, this is really nice. I'm like six pounds lighter. (laughs) So those are a couple things that I did, Um, but I find that yoga and meditating has really helped me post remission, um, really control my stress and anxiety. For me, stress and anxiety are huge stomach triggers. It's like my stomach and my brain, the anxiety part of my brain are a direct link. They're like best friends and they set each other off like within a moment's notice. So meditating and like focusing on breathing has sometimes gotten me through some mild bouts of cramping and doing things like yoga and kind of like spending a couple minutes like doing relaxing or breathing or stretching exercises has kind of helped when I'm feeling like a flare might be coming on or I'm just having kind of a bad day. I still have, you know, days that are not great. Um, you know, there are moments that I still have to like rush to the bathroom also, like as regular people without Crohn's do as well, but it's just uh, like 1% of what I used to be at. So, you know, it's not perfect and it never will be, but this has helped me keep it under control. And when I feel like I'm having a bad day or I'm just kind of obsessing about, a twinge in my stomach or, you know, a gas pain, I'm like, oh my gosh, my Crohn's is coming back. I start doing yoga or meditating so that I don't get to a place that I'm just stressed out and making myself sick.
0: I find yoga helps too when I'm having, even if it's not a flare, if it's just some of those mild symptoms, I'll do inversions or the the cat cow or whatever they call it, just kind of those moving the digestive system and twisting, it all just kind of helps, helps it feel good. Yoga is a, I've heard a lot of people say they enjoy yoga for digestive distresses.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think that I've read a lot that inversions are really helpful and uh, I don't know the name of it, but when you're sort of propped up on your arms and like your toes are towards the ceiling, it apparently realigns like the organs in your digestive system. So I don't know how true that is, but I've always found it helpful. So I will continue to believe it until I am proven wrong. <laughs> I will too. <laughs> yes.
0: So I want to talk a little bit about advocacy because you've had and it's been funny because when I was going you know I was looking at your Instagram once we had kind of connected and talked about having this this conversation and I couldn't I really couldn't tell how long you'd had Crohn's or what your full Crohn's story was and then just you know talking with you today you mentioned that it's really only been in the last year year and a half that you've really been sharing publicly your Crohn's story really so what What compelled you to start sharing your story, to be an IBD advocate, and what's the experience been like for you?
1: Yeah, this is definitely a new thing for me. Like, talking on a podcast about my disease, if you would have asked me, like, two years ago, I would have been like, absolutely not. Nobody can know that I have Crohn's. I experienced, like, a lot of discrimination in my younger life. Like, there were definitely jobs that didn't hire me and, like, There were definitely people that didn't date me and like friends that, you know, weren't able to handle me bailing on plans because I was sick. So I like lost a lot of people and saw the, you know, kind of negative effects that Crohn's can really have or any kind of chronic illness can have on your relationships. So that kind of shut me off to being quiet about it. I just didn't want to deal with that anymore. And I just thought maybe if I kept it to myself and my family, that that would be fine um but i remember when i was doing humira i was the injections at first were just so painful and kind of difficult to do that i was looking a lot on the internet for like help or just tips on how to do them and i ended up finding under the humira hashtag on instagram like so many people talking about side effects or bruising or tips or try icing it and I was just shocked that there was this incredible community on instagram i was like there can't be this many people that post about their humira there's so many people here and i just i was just completely ignorant to the community that was alive on instagram so i started just searching a lot of hashtags and i started following a couple of people with Crohn's that had really prominent accounts or that seemed to have similar stories to me. And at first, I just followed them from a distance. And I felt a lot better knowing that somebody else was doing Humira Night 2 or somebody else was sitting and getting Remicade or somebody was, uh, you know, posting about their surgery. And I realized how open all these people were and they weren't getting any of these negative comments. Like everybody was supportive. There were tons of other people with Crohn's, and I really wanted to be a part of that community. It just kind of attracted me. So I had made this Instagram account and uh, at first I didn't even put my name on it. You'll notice there was like really no pictures of my face on it. (laughs) And I was just like, okay, I'll make this little account and I'll just call myself this Crohn's queen and hopefully you know, I really just kind of intended it to be a place that I could express myself. I didn't even think that I would get all these followers. And I just started using some hashtags, Yukimira, Crohn's disease, invisible illness, like just common ones that I could think of. And within a year, I had like over 700 followers. And that's definitely like not a lot compared to some other people. But I was so Surprised, I was like, Why do 700 people care about what I'm posting? (laughs) And I just received like an outpouring of comments or like people DMing me with genuine advice. Like, I would post a cold sore, a recurrent problem that I can never get rid of. I'm open to all suggestions. And people (laughs) were posting just advice like, Try this or try this, or have you read this article? Or I used to have these too. And I used to feel like the most isolated person that would get these like styes and cold sores and these like weird embarrassing side effects that you just get from being immune suppressed. And other people were, oh my gosh, I have cold sores too. Or, oh my gosh, I have osteochondroma too. And I like was addicted to being like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm not alone anymore. And it completely just turned me around from being this closed off quiet person and using this Instagram community really allowed me to kind of embrace the part of my identity that is Crohn's disease and kind of always will be Crohn's disease. And using people like I found on Instagram and then, you know, seeing people like my husband that were so accepting and having the supportive group of friends that I do, it really allowed me to be like, you know what, like I have Crohn's and if you have a problem with it, then I don't really have room for you in my life kind of. And ever since then, I have just been the Crohn's queen. I literally have made it <laughs> a huge part of my life. Everybody that knows me knows about it. And it's allowed me to get involved with some great charities and really do some great work for other people and meet people on Instagram like you and like some other people that I've reached out to and made virtual friendships with that I can really relate to. And it's honestly brought a fulfilling Part of Crohn's disease to my life that really never existed before.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I agree 100% with everything that you said. And I say it every time, but our IBD community is so amazing. It's absolutely incredible, the amount of support that's out there. But just like you, finding this community and being active in it is really fulfilling. And it's it's kind of strange to think about it that way because it's not something I would, you know, I in the beginning I wouldn't have necessarily thought that it would be a fulfilling thing to do, but it really truly is. So I encourage everyone to be part of the community and be active in it because it really is just an incredible place to be.
1: I think so too. And I've been so surprised. So if anybody can, come out of their Crohn's disease closet. If I can do it, you can do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Do you think that sharing your story and interacting with more people in the IBD community, has it shaped your view of either the disease Crohn's itself or life with Crohn's?
1: It definitely has. You know, it's, it's easy to be in remission and kind of forget what it's like to be sick or it's very easy to get used to like a comfortable life where you can kind of do everything you want to do and eat what you want to do and like go out with the friends you want to go out with and because you're so excited about it it like it's so intoxicating to be well and healthy for anyone so in the community it reminds me that it reminds me of where I came from and to never, really, you know, let go of my commitments to like being healthy and taking care of myself and why it's important never to miss a dose of medicine because I'm always brought back to where I came from. But it also exposes me to so many other people that are not in remission or so many other people that are going through another complication or another setback or another flare. And it really just, it's exposed me to the depth and breadth that Crohn's disease has. It is taken over like every body system of some people. There's like a manifestation Mm -hmm. of Crohn's in people's eyes and ears and mine is manifested in my feet in times in my life. So it just really keeps me, I think humble and aware and appreciative of like the beautiful life that I have with remission, but also like that other people are not that way and how important it is to keep fighting for a cure and also to remain you know humble in your roots that this is where i came from and i could so easily go back to that place and i need to admire the strength that i have and be a resource for other people and not forget everyone else that is in a less fortunate situation that i'm in
0: that was beautifully said i support everything you just said there <laughs> <laughs> Is there, one, is there one thing that you wish people knew about the disease, people who maybe are not familiar with Crohn's or have just heard about it a little bit? Is there one thing that you wish people knew about Crohn's and ulcerative colitis that they don't?
1: Yes. I mean, I feel as if Crohn's and colitis have become much more common. I feel like I'm seeing a Humira commercial like every other commercial at some points in time when I'm watching TV. It's like always around. But... I feel like uh, I would love people to know that it's totally not just a stomach ache at all. It's definitely doesn't feel like when you had a stomach virus, it definitely doesn't feel like you ate too many pieces of cake. Like it is so real and debilitating and it stretches far and wide outside of the stomach. And it makes something as simple as eating that you have to do to survive and that so many people enjoy it totally takes the fun out of that and totally makes eating this like daunting, fearful task. So I think I would love for people to get that it can be so much more serious than you think. And a stomach ache is something that everybody has had at some point in their life. And that's definitely not what Crohn's and colitis is. It's definitely an immune disease that can just totally move in and take control. And it's definitely, I think, doesn't get enough credit in the just societal community that we have.
0: Mm-hmm. And I love that you just said that eating can be fearful and that if people could recognize that, because I know for, for years, I just, I dreaded food. I would I would dread the thought of having to go somewhere and have food around because I didn't want to eat. I didn't want to eat at home. I didn't want to eat out. I just... I, I dreaded food. I, it was scary. And so, but everywhere you go, people are always like, well, just have a bite or, you know, it's cake. It's everyone's having, you know, birthday cake, have a bite. And, and I think people don't really understand, you know, the gravity of what they're saying there when it's like, I, I can't eat a bite.
1: Right. It's so much more than I don't want to try it or I don't like it. And it's so easy to feel excluded when you can't do something as simple as eating. Uh, I would have loved to have like eaten all these things when I was sick, but I would also love to not, you know, spend the rest of the evening like doubled over in the bathroom. So I had to make a decision. Yeah. So I think that it's a much harsher reality than people realize
0: definitely I agree so you mentioned your Instagram earlier but if people want to keep up with you and follow and interact with you tell us again where they can find you
1: so you can find me at Crohn's underscore queen crones queen uh is my first and last name on Instagram so if you search me you'll be able to find it and it's Public, and I am looking to meet so many more new people that share a journey or don't share a journey and just want to be friends <laughs>
0: <laughs> and learn more about the disease.
1: <laughs> yes, and learn more about it. I'm also, you know, always open to tips, tricks, advice, anything that anyone else has been through because Humira pens still hurt, and I'm always looking for ways <laughs> to make them not hurt. Aww. <laughs>
0: Well, is there anything – we covered a whole range of topics today. Is there anything that I did not ask that you wanted to share with the audience today?
1: No, I think we covered everything. I feel like that was a big, like, journey through all the different areas of my life and Crohn's. So it's kind of exciting to talk about it out loud, and it, like, reminds me of – what I've been through. So it's been a really fun uh, experience to just like talk through that and have this conversation with you.
0: Well, you shared a ton of great tips today. A lot of just great words of wisdom, a lot of great tips, a lot of great advice. So I thank you for that. And I really enjoyed having you on. So thank you very much for joining me today and sharing your story.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been truly a great time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have an IBD story, either as a patient or a family member, that you'd like to share as a guest on this podcast, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email at crohn'sfitnessfood at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about me and my Crohn's journey, follow me on Instagram using at Crohn's Fitness Food or Visit my blog for in-depth articles about my struggles and victories with Crohn's through diet, fitness, and lifestyle at www.crohn'sfitnessfood.com. And finally, remember, be strong, be grateful, and be the warrior that you are.